everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Fathers of Fitting podcast. I'm your host, Cassie, and I am joined by the four fathers themselves. We have Nick Sherburn, who is the founder of Club Champion USA. We have Ian Frazier, who is the founder of Club Champion Canada, otherwise known as TXG. We also have Jason McNiven, the founder of Club Champion UK, formerly known as Golf Principles, and Paul Jenner, the founder of Club Champion Australia, formerly known as Pureform Golf. Gents, I appreciate you guys being here. I know some of you are up super early. Some of you have stayed up really late, depending on what part of the planet you guys are dialing in from. So we appreciate it. Um, Before we get started, I just want to give the listeners a quick rundown of the show, because this is the first time we're doing this, Um, what you might expect, right? So these four guys are the top custom club fitters in the entire world. Um, These guys have been running the game for decades. These are the top names in the club fitting business. Um, For us, for Club Champion, um, it was a feat in and of itself to unite all of these brands under one umbrella, but we decided we were going to take it a step further and unite them all in a podcast so we could hear about their fitting stories and takes on equipment and thoughts on the golf industry, things like that. So we're going to talk about everything. This is just the first episode, though, so we'll see what happens. Guys, I want to give the the listeners a little bit of a history lesson, and I'm going to pick on Nick Sherburn first. We'll start with him. Tell us who you are, what your golf career has looked like, and talk to us a little bit about Club Champion. Yeah, so my journey started about 25 years ago, and uh, as a young guy, young golfer, and uh, I didn't start golf until eighth grade. And, um, you know, I had a hand-me-down set of golf clubs, and uh, I'm a big guy, so that ain't going to work a a set off the shelf. So I had a little job at uh, uh, Cog Hill here locally in Chicago, Illinois. And I used to work the range there and Western open would come around and, um, you know, it was a big event on the PGA tour every year. And I'd watch these guys go back and forth from these trailers, tweaking their clubs, hitting this people measuring them, people doing this, that next thing really intrigued me. Um, I grew up on a farm, so working with my hands is something that I love to do. And so I, this just, the whole thing grabbed me. And so Long story short is, is I asked the pro, I said, hey, what's going on? Why are they doing this? And they're like, well, they're tweaking it. They're fitting their clubs. They're doing this. I'm like, well, why aren't we doing this? Like, why don't I see anybody on the range over here getting fit or anything, you know, on an everyday basis? Well, you know, most golfers aren't good enough. They're not going to spend the money. I think we've all heard the stories. So, you know, me as a 16-year-old kid goes, well, shit, I'd work a three, four jobs to make sure I could play my best golf because at the time I'm thinking in my head, I'm going to be the next Tiger Woods. Um that, that I was far from the truth, but uh, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. So anyway, uh, it took me down this journey. Uh, I met a fellow, taught me how to do club um, club building, club repair. Um, you know, one thing turned into another. That turned into a business called EJL Custom Golf, uh, which grew from one location to two locations to a, t- a tour trailer. And then eventually uh, I piqued the interest of a person that I played golf with. We created a true business plan, and uh, we formed Club Champion in 2010 out of EJL Custom Golf, and we've been growing it ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So let's go north. I think we're going to have a, a, a similar story from Ian, but let's go up to Canada. Tell us a little bit about you, about your career in golf, and, and a little bit about TXG. Yeah, a very similar start to Nick uh, Cassie in that just a young player, um, maybe came to the game a little bit later than some, so started playing when I was 16, uh, ended up turning pro when I was 18, so it all happened kind of very fast, but in just a thirst to try and see how I could possibly be better and, and kind of learn faster and that kind of keep up with the rapid improvement that I kind of somewhat expected after kind of starting off in that fashion. 
uh, a kind of turn from you know swing uh, mechanics to to equipment. And I think I was very fortunate in the environment that I was in at the club. I, I became an assistant pro at. There was a load of club tinkers in there, and you know they needed someone to tinker with their stuff and and kind of do at the time through bore repairs and the type of equipment that was much more hands on than what we see right now. Um, and I just just you know fell in love with it, and uh, that led to starting with TaylorMade in two thousand and five. Um, was very very fortunate with the team around me at TaylorMade. Looking back on it, it's you know, it's quite incredible the the people who have came from that same time at TaylorMade, and you know the the head of that ship was on is on this call. Uh, Jason was my boss at TaylorMade, and um, you know it's exactly there's no no coincidence that you know a lot of us have went on to to kind of stay in the industry and be part of it. We've got Joe who's a club champion in Glasgow, and he was under the same team. We've got a lot of boys who are now out on tour, so very fortunate in the the environment that I was in. Um, 2006 rolls around we, we go to Glen Eagles for what was called a tour experience day which was an off week for the European tour truck Alex Thorne uh, at the time rolls out this silver case and out pops a track man and uh, I still always remember the day and, and just the kind of world seemed to change in front of me at that, at that time you know that we had all these answers to questions of you know how to move spin and launch and speed and all these sorts of things and you know, the the evolution of technology was was moving so fast at that time, you know, aftermarket shafts were were becoming a big, big thing. And, you know, that that kind of played out at the time and when I was just getting immersed in it. So, you know, roll on a few more years and I moved to Canada, get involved in a brand agnostic club fitting company, fall in love with that, have my own visions of how I would like to to do, you know, that side of things. And and TXG was born and uh, and that leads us to where we are today. Yeah, the rest is history, if mm-hmm. you will. <laughs> um, so we'll go from north to south. So we'll skip over to Paul in Australia. So tell us a little bit about you, your career, and the brand that you founded. Yeah, so basically, um, golf pro straight out of high school. Um, wasn't good enough as a player. Sort of went off track a little in my late teens, and, and my golf sort of slipped a bit. Uh, but it was a, one of the top juniors uh, in the country for my whole junior career. Uh, did my PGA traineeship at 18, uh, finished at 21. Um, there wasn't many opportunities, um, back then, but my first boss, um, when I was a trainee pro, he was a Henry Griffiths club fitter. So that was my introduction back in the nineties. That was the cool thing, right? There's no tech. It was just, let's make it two inches long and hit it miles and use a lie board and all that sort of stuff. So that was my introduction. He was a, a club maker. We used to do all the uh, repairs and that for the South coast. So I grew up in a country coastal town, so 12,000 people. And in the country over here, they're 20 years behind the city. So I was remaking uh, wooden heads, relacquering, binding heads, knocking out pins in old Hogan irons. And that was sort of my favourite part of, of the job, being, you know, I didn't, didn't want to be a club pro. I got into the coaching after I finished my traineeship and really didn't enjoy it. Um, and then so I moved into um, a big box retail store where I started taking over the fitting. It was very basic, um, a little bit different to you guys. We're, we're a bit behind. Obviously, we don't have access like you do in the US or North America and that. So uh, in 2008, I actually uh, met a, a club maker from New Zealand and I hired him to, we were looking at branching out and offering some more custom stuff in Australia. And I learned a lot from him. Uh, it's the first time that I saw and tested puring. So flow a shaft, spine it, put it in the best position. And I couldn't believe the difference when I actually 
did my driver, how much more solid it felt. And I started building clubs again with him, uh, getting into really, you know, detailed specs and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden I started seeing uh, these, like you, the club champions popping up overseas, whether it was a uh, hot sticks or cool club, whoever it was at that time in that 2008 sort of number. So my wife at the time, she was pregnant. So I transitioned out of that, set up my own workshop at home and started my own business, which originally was called uh, Purified Golf. So I started doing rebuilding, puring shafts for all the local pros, trainees, and I got lucky. I had two guys that were the top guys uh, winning tournaments, shooting course records, and all of a sudden my garage and people come around at 8 o'clock at night and it just went crazy. So I moved onto a golf course and set up a workshop I uh, did a deal with the local professional there to use his account to order equipment and then a deal with a range where I'd go and use that for fitting. So I'd go and book fittings, uh, then come home, order the stuff, and then I'd build the equipment out of my garage. Um, so once I moved onto that pro shop, uh, I got a good customer base there and um, this business guy, a bit of an entrepreneur, he's like, man, this is a, a great business model. You got any ideas on making this bigger? And I said, showed him the US, what you guys are doing. I said, this is what we need to do. There's a huge hole in the market in Australia. No one offers this. No one does any aftermarket stuff. So I was pretty much the first one to bring this model to Australia. Um, I think Cool Clubs was a similar timing to me. We opened about the same time. Um, and we just, we struggled at the start locally because we're, we're a bit behind, stuck in the 90s, even though it's about 2010 now. And um, the companies didn't want to work with us at the start. And we spent a year uh, building it, got a good name. And then all of a sudden, bang, everyone was on board. Uh, and we built that pure form brand from there. So with Sydney, opened up in Melbourne. And then obviously just recently, we've got a Brisbane location now. So it's a little bit of a quick history on how it's yeah, all that's happened. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, the equipment side's always been my passion, making clubs, you know, I can get a result with someone very fast just through a fitting versus coaching. So coaching wasn't my thing because guys didn't practice, so you get frustrated. Whereas, you know, just turn up, hit it, I'll give you a shaft and a head that gives you better contact, spin control, dispersion. And, yeah, and that's where we are today. So it's all it's all awesome. changed, I mean, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that's that's a great history. And then last but not least, let's go to the UK. Jason, talk to us about you. I felt the grandfather here, not the father. Um, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think I look at it, I'm a, I'm a pro by trade. That's all I know. I'm, golf is all I know. Bit of a one-trick pony. Um, uh, not, I'm 52 years old. Uh, I turned pro in 91. I worked at a golf club like Paul. You know, I went to a really nice golf club in Coombe Hill as a young assistant and exposed to Demo Day from Callaway when Big Bertha was just alive. And the guy said to me, oh, you're good at this. You could do a job. And I just went, you're an idiot. Leave me alone, you know. Um, and then the job at Demo, uh, Demo Day Rep for Callaway come up about three months later. And I got a call saying, you should go for this job. I was like, okay. Got the job, flew to the States, got brainwashed for four weeks by Callaway in Southern California, which was amazing, great <laughs> experience. And uh, the guy that was doing that was my learning buddy, John Deegan. I think he's still there now. I was heading the Helmstead at Test Center. And then just grew from there. We did demo days around Europe and then joined Callaway in uh, for 95, 6 and Taylor made in 98. And then just went from there really and just blew up and then worked with some great guys like Ian and Alex Thorne and Chris Trott and Adrian Ritfeld who have come 
I say I've trained them, I've helped them, I suppose we would describe it, mentored them in some way, shape or form. But I guess like all of us, you, you find what you're good at. I was a player, but not very good like Paul. I was not as good as Paul, but I was a decent player. Just had a snap hook in the bag that killed me every time I played. Um, and then you find you're good at something and then ego kicks in, right? You then turn around and say, I'm really good at this. And you get some great results and people are winning with your clubs and people understand that you're the guy for product and you have an eye for a swing and matching that to a product. And it all just blew up from there, really. So I was actually double dating. I had a job at TaylorMade. And I was doing the studio at evenings and weekends and even at some, I'm sorry, lunchtime, Sailor Maid, nipping out at lunchtime, doing a quick fit and just surviving on two jobs. You know, we sold matrix shafts from a downstairs toilet as a UK distributor. So, you know, it's just, it was just one of those things. We just did what we did. And I've always loved products, always been a product guy. And then, you know, Ian's worked for me and Joe's worked for me and a few other guys have been great. And the boys in Basingstoke have always had my back and surrounded me. And it just grew from there. And Nick Sherborne sent an email about October, 18 months ago and said, can we have a chat? And I was like, yeah, fine. think it's one of those chats that it's going to be on the internet for Zoom and product. And it blew up from there, really. So that was a quick history of me. But I've always been a golf pro, golfer. It's what I do for a living, you know. I, it's what I am. You know, it's, it's what we do. You know, we, yeah. we, we don't have a job. I haven't got a job. I come to work. I help people. You know, the fact that, you know, we've, I'm very grateful that, I don't have to feel like I get up in the morning and have to come to work. It's not like that for me. Never That's has been. That's amazing. Never yeah, has Yeah, I mean, you guys are all, all golf nerds. It's okay. It's okay to be a golf nerd. I think the people who are listening and watching this can can kind of, you know, feel that vibe too because if they're interested in fitting, they're also a golf nerd. Um, you guys all said it in some way, shape, or form, right? The, the goal of a, a custom club fitting is – to help people enjoy the game more, to lower their scores, just have a better game. And I think that's what all of us are in the business to do. So to kind of help the listeners and viewers understand a little bit more about the fitting process and the philosophies, I'm actually going to pick on Ian this time. I'll start with you. Um, Talk a little bit about how you feel our collective philosophy and our process is a little bit different and a little more in depth than what you might find with other people who claim to offer a fitting. I mean, there, there's so many layers to it, Cassie, and and I think that's that's something we always talk about with club fitting. There's so many layers to club fitting. That term is is kind of widely used and overused, and and people consider to be a fitting big box or or you know green grass, and and then they come to places like like club champion, and when they come through our doors and they see the amount of shafts, heads, the the technology that we have they realize it's different very, very quickly. They realize it's different. And then the question goes to, well, how do you guys narrow it down from all of these options, you know, all these tools that we have in our toolbox, all these solutions to the problems that the golfer has, how do you, how do you navigate that? And the the reason we do that or the, the way we do that is we live in that world day in, day out. Like Jay said earlier on, it's, it's what we do is understanding every single profile on the wall so we have a built-in filter system so that when somebody set, brings us a, a you know their game which is a set of problems we just look at all the tools we have as a set of solutions so you know we have that in-depth knowledge we're not living two lives of you know some some places maybe you know teaching and club fitting some maybe you know working in a pro shop then going out and doing the odd fit at, you know at night we are just we are purely purely club fitters in, in the purest sense and you know, it's what we study. It's 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 our true passion, and I think Jay said something that, that kind of really resonates with me as well. Is it's it's about the customer and the customer care. 
So, you know, we've always kind of set, you know, our stall out to be a customer service centric company that specializes in fitting golf clubs. And I think if because we care for the customer, we're, we're that more willing to go the extra mile. And, and I think the tools, the passion, the the kind of, you know, the philosophy around customer care, I think when you package all that together, I think it is a very different proposition. Yeah, I agree with that. Jason, I know you you have kind of a varied background as well. So do you have anything to add about how the club champion approach is different, whether it's technology or the fitters or anything that you feel sets us apart? I think you've got to look at the options. I, I've said this before. I, I think we we collectively are a shaft business that sell heads as well. You know, we find people, and this is what's changed over the years. When I did my training at Callaway, when Dave Rohde trained me, it was head shaft grip. In that order, that was it, regimented. And I tend to work now shaft first and then find the head. Because we have that agnostic system where you can put different heads on different shafts, you find the shaft, you then get the head and launch the spin, the feel, the sound, whatever you want to look at, shiny, glossy, colourful, you pick what you want. But we know that within your certain launch window, these few heads are going to be what is going to work for you. And you, the customer, choose what you like, the visual. It's like buying a car or a watch, right? One guy buys a BMW, one guy buys an Audi. They're both beautiful. Which one do you like? So that's how I sort of treat, that's how I've always been, I've trained the guys to fit how I've helped these guys, hopefully some of them, you know, get better at their skill set. And like Ian said, it's a constant learning process. There's new shafts coming out. We're ahead of that. We're at the vanguard of that shaft business. You know, if it's new, we've got it or we've tested it. And if we've tested it and we like it, it's on the shelf. You know, we are a results-driven business. At the end of the day, it's like a football or soccer, sorry for the US guys, manager. <laughs> You're in a results business. If you don't get results, people don't come back, right? It's real simple. The customer tells you what's going on. And that's why hopefully we all sit here today as guys that know what we're doing because our customers keep coming back year after year or cycle after cycle and trusting us with their games. And that's what we, we do. We, we earn their trust. We earn their trust. It's not For given. Sure. It's not given. We earn it. Um, I think that's what's changed over the years is that that evolutionary process and whatever technology you want to use, whether it's TrackMan or Quad or Quintech or Sam or whatever, you know, at the end of the day, the results are out there for you. That guy or girl comes back and says, oh, that's so good. And equally, and this is another thing I think is really important, if it's not perfect, we're man enough to fix it, right? We're not going to stand there and get it right every single time. But if we get it not quite perfect, then tell me and we'll work on it, right? And it could well be you. And to my point, I have a Rubicon line. I don't coach. I understand swing. I like fitters that understand the golf swing as a personal preference, but we don't coach. If you want sure. a lesson, where do you live? Okay, go and see that guy or that girl. He's She's really good, right? We don't coach. I have a Rubicon line. If it ever gets into a fit, it becomes a lesson. It's ca guaranteed car crash. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> that is we, <laughs> that is one you, analogy for it. <laughs> well, you can't you you can't win at that point. You know you're coming in for a lesson, you're coming for a fit. You know, okay, we have a duty of care to tell you what delivery is good and what is bad, and what window of launch spin and speed or whatever works for you. Mm -hmm. But if someone says, "How am I swinging it?" You know, what, what do you want? What do you want to hear? Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, it's like Ian said, right? There's a division of labor. There's there's your fitter, there's your instructor. They need to be two separate processes. Um, I've, I've not Paul. met anybody yet that can do both. Oh, no. we. That's why we don't, right? Paul, do you feel like you have anything that you would like to add from the Australian perspective? It's, it's a similar story. Um, for us, it's all about performance. All the options that the other players don't have, the big box stores and that, can put any shaft and head combination together. Uh, most golfers are pretty open uh, once 
you talk them through what you're about and what you do, and it's about results. Um, so for us, same thing, key, shaft first, shaft, get the right profile that loads and kicks so they time the ball sweet. And then we look at the head to dial in that launch and spin and dispersion in that order. Um, and it's the same process every time for all my fitters do the same thing. Uh, like you said, it's just we do this day in, day out. You know, I'll look at a few track man numbers after you've hit half a dozen balls and I've already got you down to about three or four shafts. So, and we just go from there and then it's the, the after service. Um, that door, once you're a customer, is always open. If we need to tweak something, uh, someone might lose their confidence. We'll get them back in for a dial-in session. So all our customers here uh, get, get a free dial-in session, normally play a few rounds, and then we'll get you. We'll give you a call. We'll get some feedback on what's happening. We'll get you in. We'll have a look. And if we need to tweak anything, we can do it in that session. So that for us is a, a real big winner, which uh, keeps our, our customers coming in, and we get lots of referrals. So for us, 85% of our, our business is uh, referrals from our clients. So. That's amazing. It's very much the yeah. same. Yeah. Awesome. And Nick, so I don't want to sway your answer necessarily because I'm sure that you echo a lot of, of what the other guys have said, but I've gotten the pleasure of being able to see you work with our trainees and be very hands-on in the training. So can you talk a little bit about the fitter and kind of the, the master fitter and the professional that you work with and how that's different than, you know, maybe a green grass or um, some of the other fittings? Yeah, absolutely. And, and mine will turn a little bit more into commercial, I always say, because... I talk about this stuff for 25 years. When we built this business, we built it on four pillars, right? We built it on, we're always going to have the best technology in our stores. We're always going to have the best selection in our stores so we can fit every golfer with every swing, with every shape and size. We're going to have the, uh, we're going to have the best fitters, which I'm going to talk about in a second. We're going to make sure of that. And um, all four of us on the screen are going to make sure of that at all times. Um, and then we're also going to have the best belt process because like all these guys just talked about, Club fitting is club fitting. You you can go get club fit anywhere. Well, I'll argue all day, and I give you tons of reasons why we're the best. But a club fitting is only as good as if the, if the clubs get delivered and perform on the golf course. That's why we started this journey was to create golf clubs that perform on a golf course. And I think that's where a lot of places that you get fit get lost in translation is they fit you. Probably isn't a great fitting, but it's a fitting. And then, but they're not going to get you the golf clubs even from the fitting to perform on the golf course. All the all of us on this make sure that we deliver golf clubs that are going to perform on the golf course. And how do we do what's the biggest part of that is our fitters, the relationship. I mean, when you look at the four faces here, um, we have hundreds and hundreds of customers that love and adore us because what do we do? First of all, we made sure we listened to them. Second, we made sure we delivered product. You know, we delivered not only performance, but product to perform and we backed it up. We were always there for our customer, and we made sure it was a very personalized one-on-one -on -one experience, just like the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, senior PGA, deep, best players in the world get, hands in, hands out. And we do that not only ourselves, but to be able to expand, we have to be able to take our knowledge and give it to our folks. I know Jason uh, commented on it a minute, but, you know, about how he hires his fitters and what he's looking for. We all have that. You know, in the States, we have Club Champion University, you know, four-week training program, uh, I oversee with uh, Brad Sislo and Pat Hudak that, you know, run a great, you know, system of trying to offload 20 years of knowledge in four weeks. Um, I know all the folks on this call have a similar, you know, set up in their respective countries and markets. And it's really what it is, that one-on-one -on -one experience with your fitter. Awesome. Cool. So we're going to do a quick, we'll call it a rapid fire, a quick round. Um, but I kind of want to hear from each individual 
um, what you feel the most important part of a fitting is, because obviously the, the way that we approach this is very similar and we're all working towards the same goal, but each one of you would have a different take in terms of how you feel, um, the, what you need the emphasis on in a fitting. So I'm going to pick on Paul first this time. So Paul, what do you feel is the most important part of a fitting? Give it to us in like one or two sentences. For me, it's, it's the, the shaft is the, is the key in the fitting to start with. Um, and then, and then getting that customer through the full experience so they understand the process of what we're doing. Um, shaft, timing, head, trying to hit your windows. Um, that's in my order. Then just basic specs from there, whether it's a lie angle, uh, maybe tweak a loft adjustment and finish with a grip size. Might customize that depending on the person's technique. If they hook the ball, might be a less tapered grip. Um, and then that's, in that pretty much that order and then even down to golf ball yeah. sometimes i might even get into that detail where okay that spin rate or launch is a little low on that we'll put you into a different golf ball you're not a strong enough hitter to hit this ball or whatever it might be so you know it, there's a lot of layers um but shaft head basic specs grip golf ball they're sort of got it you know i'm sure it's the same for all the guys but yeah yeah, perfect. So what I'm hearing from Paul is the entire fit is the most important part of the fitting. <laughs> yes, that's, uh, all, yeah. that's totally fair. Um, Jason, what do you think is the most important part of a fitting? What does the customer want? Set the frame straight away. Like, what are you looking for? Yeah. If you're looking for a unicorn and 50 yards further, sometimes you've got to get the black hat on and say, we can't do 50, we might do 25, right? So frame it really quickly. Make sure that they know what to expect really quick because otherwise yeah. this can, can just get off track really quick. I think breaking the ice and making them feel relaxed. I, I'm massively yeah. into people get super stressed. They're coming in, oh, I want to swing really well. Okay, don't worry, just chill. What ball do you use? Do you watch the football last night? Whatever. Try and make them feel comfortable. It's tough, right? We're hitting balls indoors, some, for some people, it's a bit freaky. My dad hates it, right? Hates it. Can't do it. For toffees. Tried so many times. Just doesn't feel comfortable. So making that person feel comfortable is crucial. And especially guys that aren't very good, they get a bit nervous. You know, Don't worry if you whiff it, you whiff it, right? It's okay. Just keep going. Yeah. And that's really important. I mean, like, yeah, all the stuff that we do day in, day out, we take for granted, right? Yeah, that's your spin, that's your ball. Yeah, do this. It looks easy. Like anyone that does stuff all day and is an expert in what they do, we make it look easy. It's not because otherwise everyone will be doing it. But I think setting the frame, making them feel comfortable is a really important thing. And, and just being genuinely careful and caring, you know, I think that's really important that you try and put yourself across. You don't look like a robot reading off some numbers off of TrackMan or a quad, that you are personal. That's really yeah, important. That's really sure. important. Because um, there's a bit of you in every club you do, right? And then there's, you know, if it's not, then you're in the wrong tr business, you're in the wrong trade. That's For sure, yeah. Managing expectations is key. That's, yeah, that's but, perfect. But I think also getting into them, though, that you care about them, their golf, you know, we want you to play better, right? You're our best yeah. advert. You can spend a trillion dollars on marketing, but the guy at the bar that says, oh, I've just put on 25 yards, unbelievable. Go and see the bloke in Brisbane. You, you want to win him, aren't you? You've got 20 guys on your doorstep like that. Yeah, for sure. So, Nick, anything to add to that? Yeah, you know, for me, the two most important things I love in a fitting that I see is education is one. Um, you know, many of the people that come in, we our, our business is misunderstood. And so the education of what, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what the outcome is going to be is very important. I want the customer to leave knowing exactly what's going to happen and what results they're going to get. 
The second part is the performance part. Like I said, we talk about people talk about fitting all the time. Tagline club champions better fit lower scores. I emphasize the lower scores. That's how I tackled this 25 years ago was this wasn't about anything more than lowering people's scores. I wasn't, I didn't have a formal business plan. Um, and so other than that, and so, you know, to me, it's, it's how we're going to make sure that whether it's a golf club, it's a setup of their bag, whatever it is, how we can lower their scores and then educate them at the same time. Awesome. And then Ian, so for you guys in Canada, you and, and I know Mikey's up there and everybody that works in the Canadian side, what about you guys? What's most important to you? The guys have touched on all of it. Um, you know, I think I've always had a philosophy cast that the, the club that has the most positive effect on the swing will generally be the one that ends up being, you know, the, the one that we select. And, and that's going through the journey with the numbers, with the track man or with the quad data to turn around and say, okay, here's the blueprint of your swing. We're, we're going to understand that. And within three or four swings, we're going to tell you, you know, the conditions you play well in, the conditions you struggle in. And the customer having the buy-in from us that we know the conditions that they struggle in high winds or, you know, they, they struggle on tight lies because they're a little bit on the shallow side with the strike and they like the ball teed up a little bit. And they, they go, how does that how does that person know that after only watching me hit three or four shots indoors and they've never seen me outdoors? And then from there, it's, it's that trust. And then we go down the process of, okay, here's your swing, your you know, you're a little bit steep, you're a little bit across it with your path, the face stays open. So, you know, we're not standing here trying to give you high draws all day. This is your DNA of your golf swing. We understand the DNA of your golf swing. Here's all those numbers and here's how we're going to go about it. We're going to set this golf club up to try and mitigate the the bad shots. We're going to try and enhance the good shots. And, and we just understand the whole picture. We see things and, you know, we don't see things in 2D. I think, you know, when, when you read you know, maybe a club fitting manual if, if you're just joined a, an OEM or a big box store and you kind of get the, the certification process to become their master fitter and, you know, you, you do that in two weeks and all of a sudden, you know, you put master fitter in your Instagram profile and, you know, you're all <laughs> pleased with that. But, you know, it takes a long, long time to, to you know, and to get that experience and knowledge to be able to, to know what to leave alone, right, from all the tiles or all the data points that are up there. There's some that you really want to leave alone and there's some that, you, you know, you want to lean on to because that's where you're going to get the performance from and, and making sure that that happens on the golf course. So, you know, always working with the player's best and worst attributes and, and having, you know, the, the results kind of stem from there. Awesome. And I mean, I we've got four different countries, three different continents represented here. And at the end of the day, a lot of those answers had a lot of overlap. So it just indicates that the brand agnostic fitting, there's there's a lot of philosophy that overlaps, which is great. So guys, we have one more segment, but before I get to that, I want to give um, a little bit of a sneak preview to our listeners and our viewers of what future episodes will hold. So we've gotten to know the guys a little better. And I actually, I've had the pleasure of working with all these guys and I learned a lot. So this was great for me at least. Um, but in the future, we'll dive deeper into some fitting questions, some FAQs, some things that we hear on social media. Um, we'll also talk about equipment. So that could mean new releases or, you know, the equipment that's on the wall currently to be fitted. It could be some hot takes on, you know, older equipment, things like that. And we'll talk about the golf industry and more. So right now, though, I want to play a little game with you guys. So every episode, I will bring you the name of a touring professional. And it's going to be, you know, somebody that everybody knows, our listeners and viewers know. I'm not going to pick some rando that's on the end of, you know, the money list or whatever. You'll know these names. Um I will bring you three metrics about their game. So like ball speed, things like that. 
I'm going to pick on Nick because I started with this uh, picking on Nick. I'm going to end this by picking on Nick. Perfect. Um, <laughs> get excited, man. Okay. Um, I'm going to go through and I'm going to see if you can guess the metric. And what I'll do is I will keep track of who is closest to these metrics. And at the end of the season, we'll crown you know a winner, a club champion, whatever you want to call it. So I have the pro um, here for you. So Nick, are you good? You ready? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Lexi Thompson, club champion, brand ambassador, and just all around awesome human being. She's going to be our first pro. So I'm going to ask if you can tell me three of her metrics as reported by LPGA.com. So if any listeners or viewers have any beef with these numbers, take it up with LPGA.com. That's where I got this info. Um, can you tell me what you think her average driving distance is? Man, I should probably know that. <laughs> you should. Uh, I'm going to say 252 and a half. And a half. Ooh, and a technical. Actually, actually in 0.75. Dude, I already wrote it down. It's 0.5. <laughs> okay. Can you tell me uh, her driver swing speed? Uh, I should know that too. Um but I should know a lot of things, like my kids' birthdays. Um, let's see here. Bad. I'm going to go uh, 108. 108. Okay. And then lastly, can you tell me her greens and regulation? Uh, Just throw, throw a percentage uh, throw out there. I'm, uh, oh, you want a percent? Yes, percentage, okay. yeah. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 62%. 2%. Okay. All right. I'm going to go to Jason next. So, Jason, um, what do you think Lexi Thompson's driver distance is? Going to go a little higher. I'm going to go 257. There you go. I'm playing the odds. Okay. Playing the odds. I like it. All right. What about her swing speed with driver? Mm, I think Sherborne's nailed it on 108, but I'm going to go 109. Okay. All right. And then the greens and regulation percentage? Low. I'm going to go 55. Because it gets so steep on those wedges, she could miss a green with a wedge. Don't tell Cobra. Don't tell Cobra you said that. (laughs) You you got it. You called it. That's it. (laughs) Uh, All right, Paul. So can you tell me what you think Lexi's um, driver distance is? I'll go 262. Oh, he's done that. He's done the other one. (laughs) Okay. Swing speed with driver. I'll go 107. Seven. Okay, and then greens and regulation percentage. Go 56. Oh, no, it's 6%. not fair. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is what Ian gets for – I called on Ian last, and now he's mad. Okay, Ian, last but not no least, No Googling. End it strong. Um, driver distance. 265. That was confident. You said that real confident. <laughs> All right, driver swing speed. 106. 106. Greens and regulation percentage. See, I'm going to go, I'm going to oppose Jace a little bit because I think the putting is where Lexi maybe struggles most. I don't think it's as much with the greens and regs. So I'm going to go higher than the boys. I'm going 60, 67%. 67%. Okay. So the way that we're going to do this is there will be basically three points available every episode because my guess is, you know, one of you will win driver distance and so on. So three, three points available. Before I tell you who won, I will tell you the answers. So Lexi's average driver distance is 277 yards. Whoa. Wait. Uh-huh. You know what? I guess they're looking at it from like a total on shot link, right? Yeah, okay. 
Talk to LPGA.com, bro. We need to get a phone. <laughs> can, we get, can we get phone of friends on this? So we can yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, is why I, <laughs> this is why I started with an LPGA superstar, because even though we're all familiar with Lexi, this is a little bit harder to wrap your head around because we just we don't get to see them as often, yep. you know. Um, so her driver swing speed, I would have accepted one of two answers. And one of you said one of them. The official answer is 105 miles an hour. I also will accept 106, which is what Ian said, because Lexi has been quoted as saying 106 miles an hour. Um, And then greens and regulation percentage. So this is wild. And I'll tell you why. So the answer is 62.5%. Nick said 62%. So he is the closest. Here's why that's interesting. So this year, they have her ranked as 118th in the field with that percentage. But last year... Her greens and regulation percentage was 77.2%, and she was second Whoa. in the LPGA. Yeah. Wow. Right? So, it's. I mean, she hasn't had as many starts. We're early in the season, whatever. It's, it'll get better as we go, right? But to say that, you know, last year she was 77.2%, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She either needs awesome. a new driver or a new ones. <laughs> yeah. Again, don't tell Cobra we're having this conversation. <laughs> I think Cobra might agree that she needs some new irons. Yeah. Those irons have been in the bag a while. That's true. Yes, yeah, so we did get to talk to her at um, at the PGA show, and it's like, oh, uh, I don't even remember this model. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it looks like Ian was closest for driver distance at 265. Ian was closest uh, for swing speed at 106. And then Nick was closest for greens and regulation at 62%. So Ian You're is leading dumb. the pack. Well you guys gotta you gotta come ready next time. Early win. Early win. Awesome. I think I think I just got lucky that I got to go last and hear the other yeah. boys. I could hedge yeah. a little bit. It won't happen next time. I'll switch it up every time. <laughs> yeah, hedging it. Good idea. <laughs> yep. Give everybody their chance to to be the winner, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's actually all we have for you guys today. Um, next time we'll come back with some topics about fitting and stories about the bay, um, things that these guys have seen and heard, and we'll really tap into their knowledge and their expertise in the club fitting space. So we will see and hear you guys next time on the Fathers of Fitting podcast. <laughs>